Hello and welcome to Timeless Truths, a sermon podcast from St. Mark Ministries in Greater Green Bay, Wisconsin. This week we have a special guest preacher, Pastor Jim Maddock. In episode 10, let's join Pastor Maddock as we learn how to help the hurting. So open up your heart, open up your Bible, and let's dig in to these timeless truths. If you're like me, you don't mind hearing an occasional feel-good story. One that comes to my mind happened a number of years ago. You can still find it on a YouTube video. I checked it out this past week. The setting was a girls' softball tournament championship game. A young lady appears at the plate to have hit the winning home run. She's rounding first base, starts to limp. Down on the ground, she crashed the torn ACL in her knee, and there she lay between first and second. Now, the rules state that she herself must touch each base for the run to count and that her teammates may not help her. The opposing players huddled and they made a decision. They went to her side and lifted her up off of the ground. They carried her to second base. She touched. Carried her to third. Touched it and brought her home. The run counted, but those who helped lost the game, but they helped the hurting. It always feels good, does it not? If I might share with you for a moment what it is the ministry I'm connected to does, Christian Family Solutions. There'll be one of our doctors at the Connect Center after this service to answer any questions you might have, sign up for our newsletter, possibly win a shirt like this. For over 50 years, this ministry has existed for no other reason than to help the hurting. And the way in which we help the most hurting people is through our professional Christian counseling. We have well over 100 counselors, which requires a master's level degree. About 10 doctors operating out of any one of over 50 clinics in seven states. Closest clinic to Green Bay is in Appleton on College Avenue. And if our counselors are not helping somebody who drives to the clinic to get the help that they need, the counselor is in front of his or her laptop using technology that has become so familiar to most of us, Zoom, offering secured face-to-face counseling with somebody somewhere, literally somewhere in the world. Currently, over 800 of our congregations have partnered with us so that the counseling needs of the members, the partners, can be filled. All of our Lutheran high schools, our prep schools, our colleges, our seminary, friends of China, kingdom workers, they have all partnered with us so the hurting members in their group can get the help that they need when they need it. The year before COVID, our ministry conducted over 45,000 hours of counseling in that one year. In the last year of COVID, over 95,000 hours of counseling in that one year. What are we helping people with? You name it and we see it. Anything from anxiety to depression, marital problems, problems with children, problems with parents, problems with loss, grief, loneliness, isolation, post-traumatic stress disorder, substance abuse, and the list goes on and on and on. 
hurting people in need of help. And I appreciate this opportunity to share this ministry with you a little bit today. But helping the hurting is not only for professionals. It's for all of us. In the parable of the Good Samaritan read earlier, Jesus leaves no doubt in our minds as to what his expectations are for you and for me as we live out our life until he takes us home to heaven. He wants us not only to care about the hurting, to feel bad about their situation, but to do that which is in our power to actually alleviate their suffering. And we'll be reminded this one that God himself gives to you and to me both the power and the desire to help hurting people because he has made you and me part of the best feel-good story there ever will be. My suspicion is that you're already pretty familiar with the famous parable of the Good Samaritan. The setting is this. Jesus appears to be teaching a crowd of people and suddenly it, it seems as if one stands up and interrupts him. He's called an expert in the law. What's an expert in the law? Among other things, he knew the Bible fairly well. I personally think he was kind of full of himself. But try to picture it. He stands up, interrupts Jesus, and says, Tell me, teacher, what do I have to do to get to heaven? (laughs) And Jesus kind of turns it right back on the guy, and he says, well, basically, well, you're the expert. How about if you tell me? What does the Bible say? And he recites the passage quite well. He says, well, the Bible says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. The response Jesus gives to that at first might sound like false doctrine, but of course it's not. He basically tells this guy, buddy, you do that and you're in. What Jesus is getting at is that if this guy was capable of loving God perfectly and loving his neighbor perfectly, then he would not be among the imperfect who are in need of a savior. He'd be able to get to heaven with his own effort. Of course, that was impossible for him because, like us, he was a sinner and he was not perfect. My guess is that he was like a lot of people are today. I think he had what I call a ladder-climbing approach to getting into God's heaven. What I mean by that is this. One rung of his ladder, the good things he tried to do. The next rung of the ladder, the bad things he tried to avoid. He kept on climbing, kept on striving, and he assumed in his own head that when he got to the top rung of the ladder, that would be the day of his death, he'd find himself in front of heaven's door, the door would swing open, and in he would go. It's not how it works, though, is it? Without faith in the Savior, his ladder is leaning against the wrong wall, and he had that to learn. I think he started to doubt his own thinking because he comes back at Jesus and he says, yeah, but tell me, who's really my neighbor anyway? (laughs) Once again, I think he was like a lot of people are today. Tight circle of friends, neighbors. He had decided in his own head who he allowed into his inner circle. People that looked like him, acted like him, as educated as he was, as affluent as he was, Those are the people he invited into his inner circle. He regarded them as his friends and neighbors. If they were hurting, he would feel an obligation to help them. But he had decided in his own head that the people outside of his little circle, the people over there, 
they're not really his neighbors. If they're hurting, too bad. And so Jesus teaches the classic parable. A man is traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho and suddenly his day goes south. He's jumped by some robbers. They take everything he has, nearly his life, and leave him on the side of the road to die. Two guys, one at a time, come by. Picture it. They look at this guy. They probably shake their head and look real sad. But they ended up tiptoeing around him and going on with their day because they had more important things to do. These guys should have known better. They're the church-going types, a priest and a Levite. Then you have somebody coming by in his donkey that you would never expect to stop, and he stops. The Samaritan. Samaritans and Jews did not get along at all back then. But he sees this poor guy lying there, and his heart goes out to him. He's got to do something. So he jumps down from his donkey, does his best to bandage him up, puts him on his own donkey, walks him into town, checks him into the urgent care facility of their day, stays with him through the night. In the morning, he has to be on his way, so he gives some cash to the innkeeper and says, I will be back. If it costs more than this, we'll settle when I return. That's the end of the story. And then Jesus has a question for the expert. Who acted like a neighbor to the man who fell among thieves? The expert responds, it's the one who showed him kindness. Yeah, Jesus says, now, you go and do the same thing. And forget about that little circle of yours. As I mentioned before, he had a ladder-climbing approach to getting into God's heaven, but without faith, his ladder is leaning against the wrong wall. He was an expert, all right, really going places. Just so happens that at this point in his life, one of those places was not heaven. It might be a good time in this sermon for you and for me to ask ourselves the question, What does our effort at climbing that ladder look like? What has it looked like in the past? I mean, if we're really honest, would you agree with me that there are certain things in our life that we would just as soon forget? If only we could forget, right? Days we're not very proud of. Times when we withheld love from somebody. Times when we withheld forgiveness from somebody. Days when our prayers went unsaid and our Bible went unread. Times when we were not too excited about coming to God's house and giving him praise and worship. Times when we felt the world should revolve around us. Times when we allowed unwholesome thoughts to rattle around in our brain, assuming for a moment they're private, but of course they're never private to God. And I'm sure that on more than one occasion, you and I have had somebody in our life who's really hurting. We felt really bad about the situation. We knew we should do something, but, yeah, you guessed it, we ended up tiptoeing around them and going on with our day because... We had more important things to do, and we're the church-going types. Left to ourselves, our ladder is also leaning against the wrong wall, would you agree? But 
God so loved the world that he did something about it. Think about it. A lot of people can talk a good game when it comes to love or, or merely have loving thoughts. But loving activity takes it to a whole nother level. God, in his love, took action. And the action that he took was the giving of his dearest treasure in the person of his son, who took on human flesh like you and I have, and then as the perfect holy son of God, he waded into the sinful, murky swamp of humanity, but he maintained his holiness in the process, and that is of vital importance to you and me, and this is why. Because God promises in his word that when you trust that his son is your savior, get this, God chooses to take the perfection of his son, the holiness of Jesus, and he credits it to you and me. And as a result, God's face shines down upon you and me with love and approval, acceptance, and even admiration. That's a God you and I don't have to be afraid of. Not today, not tomorrow, and not on the day we die. Talk about a feel-good story. And that's only the half of it, because not only did God's sin live a life of perfection that is credited to us, he then eagerly and willingly went to the cross, suffering all the blame and shame for everybody's last sin in the process, winning for you and for me the forgiveness of all of our sins. So as far as the east is from the west, and that's a very long distance, that's as far as God has removed our transgressions from us. And he promises in his word that when you and I trust that his son has done that for us, he promises to take us to a real, endless, perfect, joy-filled, custom-made heaven. And he has his family back together again for all time. Talk about a feel-good story. And it's real. And it's ours. You might have noticed, we're not in heaven yet, are we? There are chapters in our story yet to be written. In the parable of the Good Samaritan, Jesus leaves no doubt in our minds as to what his expectations are for us as we live out our life until he takes us home to heaven. And everybody in church this morning, anybody listening online, watching, we all have somebody in our life who's hurting. And we can demonstrate our thankfulness, our gratitude to God for all of his grace by reaching out to that person and helping them in their time of need. In the ministry I'm connected to, Christian Family Solutions, we see hurting people every day of the week, including Sundays. A number of years ago, I was a guest preacher at one of our Florida congregations. It's important for you to know that I'm not a counselor, and I have no access to any information about anybody that's getting counseling from us. I found out about this after the fact, and I'll explain to you how. There was a mom in the audience that Sunday with her teenage daughter. We had been counseling the teenage daughter. When I was greeting people after church, the mom came up to me and shook my hand, and with the other hand, she slipped me a note that she had written during the service. I opened the note later, it said, Thank you, I have my daughter back, and she's also back with the Lord. Help for the hurting, 
I still have that note. Pre-COVID, I was a guest speaker at a convention on the West Coast, and after I was done speaking, a gentleman from the audience who I had never met and who also had, in fact, been counseled by this ministry, he introduced himself and said, Pastor Maddock, could we speak privately sometime today? And I said, certainly. Later in the day, we sat down together and he shared his story. He said, I'm married. I have children. I'm the chairman of our church family. I'm the lay delegate to this convention. And ever since I can remember, I have struggled with same-sex attraction. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm now able to manage this burden in a way that is pleasing to my Lord. Help for the hurting. When I compare the expert in the law on this account to the man dying in the road, if I could make that man dying in the road on the road alive, I would choose to think the man dying was in better condition than the expert because we know for a fact the expert was still dead spiritually in his transgressions and in his sins. He was hurting and didn't know it or he was hurting and he did not know why. Which leads me to one final story I'd like to share with you. One of the congregations that I have served in my ministry, there was a member, partner, a young lady, probably at the time in her mid-30s, although I usually don't try to guess a woman's age. She was so faithful, worship, Bible class, service, you name it, a real joy. But something really bothered her, and it was her husband, and I'll give to him a name, which is not his real name, Dave. Dave was a devout atheist. She was concerned, of course, for him. She met with me and talked about Dave on a number of occasions. He traveled quite a bit with his work, and she knew that if something happened to him, he would be lost eternally. On one occasion, when I visited them at their house, Dave nearly laughed me out of the house. But a half a year after that incident, to my shock, he began to show up in church with his wife. But he kind of made it obvious to everybody that he was not a real willing participant, but he was there. A few months after that, he shows up at my office unannounced, and after some small talk, he got to his point. He said, Pastor Maddox, that thing you guys hand out at church with announcements and so forth, I said, yeah, yeah. Well, it says you've got a class starting up. Yeah. I might want to take that in. Whoa, blew me away. He was a real busy guy, and his schedule was not at all compatible with the day and time of the class, and so I took Dave through the class one-on-one. And in this case, it was a long class, 20 weeks, good hour every week taking a look at what God had to say about everything. And when we were done, I asked him, I said, Dave, what do you think? I don't know. I don't know. Could I take the class again? Okay, so we started all over again. We ended up going nearly a year. And when we were done, or at least I assumed we were done, I asked him again, I said, Dave, what do you think? I'll never forget his answer. He said, I'm just thankful I did not die. Click, 
clicked, the light of faith had come on. Now he knew he needed a savior and had one in God's son. I pursued it further with him. I said, Dave, in the class we talked about the power of the word of God and how the Holy Spirit uses the word to give a person faith and then to grow and sustain that faith over time. In your case, and tell me if I'm wrong, it just seems to me that something else happened before that helped you to turn the corner and start to think about investigating God a little bit. Am I right? And if so, what was it? He thought for a moment, said, yeah, yeah, you're right. (laughs) What was it? The crazy members of your church. That's what he said. I, of course, asked him to explain what he meant by that. He said, they were crazy nice. They were crazy nice. And I didn't get it at first. He went on to explain. He said, Pastor Maddox, do you remember, remember what a jerk I was when I first came to church? I wanted to say, oh, yeah, I do. We didn't go there, though. He said, it's not how they treated me, though. They seemed sincerely happy I was there. It would break away from conversations they were having with people they knew real well in order to try to strike one up with me. They invited me to come back. Some guys even asked me to go golfing with them. What was that all about? They were crazy nice, and I didn't get it. But now I do. See, Dave was an expert, vice president of an international corporation. He's really going places, but until Jesus found him, one of those places was not heaven. My guess is that everybody listening or gathering here this morning knows somebody like a Dave. Maybe they're an expert. Maybe they just think they are. It doesn't matter. If they are without Jesus in their life in a serious way, they're hurting and don't know it, or they're hurting and they don't know why. Is that person in your life your opportunity to build a bridge of kindness and helpfulness toward that hurting person so that in God's good time they might just notice what you're doing, turn and come walking back toward you over the bridge you built in order to find out what makes you the way you are. You and I are part of the best feel-good story there ever will be. There are chapters in our story yet to be written. May those chapters include examples of us being good Samaritans, helping the hurting. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Timeless Truths. Whether you're a first-time listener or a long-time listener, we're glad you could join us. For more information or to support the work of St. Mark Ministries, check out our website at stmarkministries.com. Be sure to tune in next week as we kick off a brand new series, Paranormal Reality. And remember, you matter and you are loved.